Welcome, everyone, to another action-packed episode of Optimize Your Body. Another solo episode, and today I wanted to stay on one specific topic, and it is the topic of emotional health. Now, the reason why I wanted to try and go quite deep on this topic is because emotional health, mental health, physical health, spiritual health, it's all interlinked, right? It's all one mechanism, one organism, should I say? Maybe they're the wrong words. Let's just say it's all interlinked, all interconnected, and you can't have one without the other. And it's like one of those things where health, it doesn't, it's, it's not really that complicated when you think about it because things are moving in the right direction or they're moving in the wrong direction, really. And today I'm going to talk, I'm going to be quite, I guess, whether the word is vulnerable or open or whatever you want to call it, let's just go with vulnerable. I'm going to share some of my personal struggles that I've had in the past with mental and emotional health and how I've personally overcome them. I'm also going to tie things into you know, research and stuff as well. But again, the reason why I wanted to touch on this topic is because based on all the contact I have with people on my Instagram and people who email me, and even some of the people who listen to this podcast who I've been fortunate enough to connect with, by the way, it's very hard. I'll, I'll talk about this at the start, really. I was going to mention this at the end. Um, but if, okay, let me mention this at the end instead, right? I want to get people to, I'd love to know where you're at and connect with you. I'll talk about that at the end. But long story short, people always message me and they do ask me a lot about those things in terms of, you know, I want to get in shape. I want to get in better shape. I want to level up. But mindset kind of holds me back. And again, it's all interlinked. You've got mental and emotional health. So when I talk about each of these methods and tips and things to be aware of, I am actually going to mention what I've done on each topic. And sometimes I'll, again, bring in examples with clients and stuff, right? So first and foremost, let's just distinguish the difference between emotional health and mental health. The best way to look at it, my friend, and again, a little disclaimer here, I'd like to say that I am not a therapist. I am not a psychotherapist. I am not a mental health expert in any way, shape, or form. So a disclaimer here, right? I'm not here to give you clinical advice. I'm not here to prescribe anything. I'm simply here to share my experience and all the experience I've and wisdom I've accumulated over the years with helping people get in shape physically and mentally, right? Because again, it's all interlinked. And I'm also going to share stuff, you know, I don't just throw random stuff out there. I do my research and I'm going to share a lot of the stuff which has a lot of studies to back it up. So the emotional health, first and foremost, is essentially like the, like the software. Um, mental health is more the hardware is the best way to describe it. What I mean by that is mental health is kind of more about the, the functioning of your brain, right? So it does include emotional health. But alongside, you know, intellectual, spiritual, and also social health, right? Among other things, right? Mental health basically determines how you handle things like decision-making, interactions with others, and the big one, stress management, how you manage external stresses and even intrinsic stresses, right? So obviously, if you encounter mental health issues, these kind of basic functions are always going to be impacted, Right. And some of these issues can be caused by, for example, your family history, experiences you've been through, you know, in other words, abuse, trauma, et cetera. And then there's also the biological factors then, such as brain chemistry and genes. But again, 
I'm not going to go into the weeds with that stuff. That's not my wheelhouse. But like I say, I wanted to talk about emotional health today because a lot of people are not kind of aware of what this is. But when it comes to your relationship with food, when it comes to even your relationship with training and your ability to manage the stress of life and ultimately show up at your best in your relationships and your professional life, a lot of this does come down to emotional health. It's a huge, big rock that we really need to be aware of and pay attention to, ladies and gents, right? Now, emotional health really encompasses happiness, however you want to determine that, right? I'm not a massive fan of throwing that word out there because I think happiness, personally, this might ruffle a few feathers, but I do personally believe happiness in some in some ways, it kind of needs to be earned. The way I've looked at things in my life and people that I have as mentors and look up to, when I say mentors, ladies and gents as well, it's not just, will you be my mentor kind of thing? People think well, when I say mentor, yes, I, I I have had a mentor for the last three and a half years. And, you know, it's not someone like, will you be my mentor kind of thing? It's people that you kind of look up to and inspire and essentially plug into. Like, for example, you could even listen to this podcast on a regular basis and look at me as a mentor, right? Um, there's people that I listen to on podcasts and the information I absorb uh, that I look at as mentors, right? And I can give you some example. It could be uh, like Joe Rogan. It could be the guys on the Mind Pump podcast. It could be, um, there's there's so many people that I look at. I could go down the list, uh, shout out Phil Graham to my official mentor, uh, Jay Alderton. There's so many men that I look up to as mentors. Um, and it's not like they don't even know it. A lot of these people don't even know it, right? So I just wanted to touch on that um, in terms of the happiness thing. So I don't know, I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but happiness, I believe, uh, that's what I was going to say. Happiness in some ways needs to be earned. You know, it's not one of those things that just be happy kind of thing. Uh, unfortunately, unless you're taking care of yourself, you're not going to be happy. Now, don't get me wrong. Everyone deserves to be um, joyful and happy and everything else. But, you know, if you want that sustained kind of meaning, happiness, fulfillment, uh, you have actually got to work for that uh, based on my experience and what I've seen with people that I look up to, right? So, yeah, so it encompasses happiness, emotional resilience, uh, distress tolerance, mindfulness, and, you know, fulfillment and meaning, really, among among other things, right? And it really touches our sense of kind of individual purpose, as well as our, you know, our ability to engage, really, and meaningful and supportive relationships with with people that we love, right? And emotional health really has more to do with kind of how you regulate your emotions, uh, your awareness, and really the coping mechanisms you have in place to deal with uh, these emotional challenges. And, you know, these coping mechanisms need to be implemented, basically, um, regardless of whether you're mentally well or whether you're mentally ill. They need to be regulated, right? Uh, they need to be implemented. Um, the way I want you to look at this, my friend, as well as something I've um, learned from another guy I look up to, I, I wouldn't, no disrespect, but I wouldn't necessarily say uh, I look up to him as a mentor. However, I've learned a hell of a lot from him. I love his books and everything else. Um, that's Mark Manson. Um, the reason I say I don't look up to him as a mentor is not any personal reason. It's just I haven't really absorbed enough of his stuff. But he talks about emotions really, really well um, and emotional health. And the way he describes it is emotions are just basically there to keep us alive. And they're signals, right? Um, it's a good thing. You might feel anxiety. Okay, 
I'm not going to say that anxiety, depression, and mental illness. This is a separate conversation. I'm talking about emotions now, not mental uh, disorders and stuff like that, but emotions are signals, right? So whether that be a signal of anxiety, whether that be a signal of loneliness, whether that be some sort of pain you're feeling in your relationship or jealousy or envy, all those things are signals um, which tell us to to act on those things and, and do something about it or at least have their awareness to go deeper. Why am I feeling this emotion, right? And those kind of things. So let's get into this now then, ladies and gents, right? And uh, again, I just want to say that I'm giving this advice based on experience. Um, uh, you know, don't necessarily look at this as uh, a therapy session, right? Because I'm not here for that. That's not my wheelhouse. That's not what I um, specialize in, right? I, I'm the fitness guy, <laughs> okay? Uh, the nutrition guy, or however you want to look at it, the transformation coach. Um, but I'm not a mental health expert in any way, shape, or form. I wanted to say that again, just to reinforce that. So anyway, um, how to know, my friend, if you're struggling with emotional health, right? Some warning signals um, that I picked up on myself and when I look back at my journey, when I was struggling, which I will go deeper into on this uh, podcast, and also just based on uh, clients I've coached as well, um, because we do tap into this stuff. So some of the warnings are, you know, and I, I've done this many a times, isolating yourself from friends, family, or maybe even coworkers is a sign. Uh, obviously, lower energy than usual, sleeping too much or not enough you know, having dis disrupted sleep or just sleeping too much and not having that regularity, uh, you know, overeating or not eating enough, increased use of substances, whether that be bloody drugs, alcohol, porn, we could go down the list, uh, racing thoughts, you know, erratic thoughts, uh, lower performance at work, more interpersonal conflicts than usual, feelings of irritability, guilt, hopelessness, or worthlessness, and neglecting hygiene and personal care, really. Now, let's go into the things that are going to help you really get your emotional health uh, into the best state it can be, right? Get you more balanced and get you in a place where you are more centered and more in control, so to speak, of your emotions and more resilient, really. That's what it comes down to. So this is in no particular order, right? But community, my friends, right, is everything, right? Those social connections. You know, another another guy, a friend of mine, Rob Wolf, always talks about the four pillars of health, sleep, exercise, nutrition, and social connections. Arguably, community and those, not even arguably, really, the most important piece of health really is going to be those social social connections and interactions you have and the community and the people you've got around you, right? Now, loneliness, for example, on the flip side, um, has huge consequences, right? In fact, there was a study done, right? And they found the impact on your health is comparable to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. And we all know, you know, smoking cigarettes is the single most worst thing you can do for your health. Uh, yeah, so this, this study was published in the Journal of uh, PLOS Medicine, um, so yeah, loneliness is associated with increased risk of heart disease, depression, cognitive, cognitive decline, um, you know, basically workaholic, whatever you want to call that. So yeah, just to give you um, a comparison really in terms of how important it is. Now, 
I'm going to give you an example with me. I still struggle with, like we all do, I still battle with emotional health, right? And my one of my biggest problems now is, you know, like just a workaholic. You know, I love what I do, but I get sucked too much into it. And that's come at the price almost of my relationship, full transparency several times. Um, it's almost cost me my relationship um, with my incredible girlfriend. And it's also, it's basically not done me any favors really in terms of building connections with like-minded men and friends and nurturing those relationships, of course. So I'm making a conscious effort just to give you an example, right? And I like to hold myself accountable as well. Um, I met up with one of my close friends, Ian. You know Ian because I had him on the podcast. And by the way, we're going to do these regular now. We've got some great content coming your way. Um, I'm going to do one with Ian. I'm also going to do one with Ian and Sean. Um, You want to listen back to those two episodes, by the way. They're pretty recent. Two good friends of mine. And Ian and I, like tomorrow, I'm going to start playing volleyball again. Um, So tomorrow at 8 a.m., where I'll normally work on a Saturday morning. I like to tie things up and do some work on a Saturday morning. But tomorrow, I've, I'm, I'm going to get shit done today, today being a Friday, um, so I can play volleyball tomorrow with Ian, you know? Um, so I'm going to do that, and I'm going to just basically take that opportunity so I can, you know, focus on that community element, right? Um, and I'm also going to make more of an effort just to just nourish relationship with my friends uh, here in Sydney. So I struggle with this. It's something that I need to work on, and I need to keep working on. This is the biggest almost deficit in my life. Um, I love my own company. I'm, I'm, although I'm an extrovert, I'm also very much introverted as well. I like to be on my own. That's just how I am. Um, but that costs me a lot. And those human interactions, I need more of them basically, right? So my friend, that is a big piece you need to look at. Um, you need to look at who you're spending time with. Are you spending too much time alone? And you've got to go against those signals, right? You know, for example, when it gets to the weekend sometimes, and you might want to just chill out and watch Netflix, Nothing wrong with that at times when you want to just slouch in front of the TV, right? However, you've got to go against that signal, right? So normally when it comes to the emotional health based on my experience and with clients, you've got to go against those signals, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. For example, for me, it's very easy to work. I can work all the time. I run my own business. There's always things to do, always things to work on. I could just do that all the time and it's never ending, Right. Um, however, that for me is almost like an escape, right? And it's easier for me to do that than it is to allocate time, especially as a man, men struggle more with this, uh, as a man to, to, to uh, allocate time to catch up with my friends, right? To be more social. Uh, that's harder for me to do. I have to structure that. I have to be intentional about that, right? So yeah, anyway, so community is key. Uh, the next thing, obviously exercise, right? And I want to kind of break this down into different forms real quick. Now, you don't need me to tell you exercise is the best natural antidepressant proven time and time again. And research has been proven to be better than uh, all prescription drugs when it comes to uh, antidepressants and SSRIs, you know, serotonin, uh, what's it called? Serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which is the main kind of form of antidepressants people get described. You know, exercise has been proven to be way more effective in numerous studies on this, right? Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Some people need to take antidepressants and they can be very helpful. And in fact, they, they need to, they're essential in some cases. So again, I'm not telling you not to take them. I'm not prescribing anything. Um, however, when it comes to lifting weights in particular, there was a big study done and what they found was resistance training, strength training, was the only type of exercise above all, whether that be cardio, yoga, 
any type of exercise, uh, it was the only one which was the best to combat uh, anxiety. So what they found is all exercise uh, helped with depression and feelings of uh, low mood, but for some reason um, they couldn't figure it out. Strength training was the only one that actually helped alleviate anxiety, not in all cases, but in some cases, whereas uh, other exercise forms didn't tend to be as effective. Um, so I would argue, I would speculate uh, one of the reasons for that is potentially because of the impact on the brain with resistance training. So not only do you build muscle, but you actually build certain regions of the brain um, and new pathways. It's almost like neuroplasticity with lifting weights. Uh, neuroplasticity, if you didn't know, is is when your brain basically forms new pathways in the brain. And with resistance training in particular, it actually helps develop certain parts of the brain which govern mood and memory, which is the hippocampus. Uh, allegedly, in some research that's been shown, they're still trying to figure this out because the brain is so complex. But yeah, and obviously with Alzheimer's as well, there was a big study done here in uh, Sydney, actually, where they found resistance training twice a week for one for six months. They had elderly people. I'm not going to go too much into the weeds with that, but long story short, um, it was the best form of exercise to slow down the progression of Alzheimer's as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on there with brain health with lifting weights, and they're still trying to figure this out. However, any form of exercise, even going out for a walk, is going to be the best natural antidepressant, right? So when it comes to, um, I wanted to talk about my experience here as well. Uh, you can use exercise as a drug as well, though, and it can have negative consequences. Now, I used to do this. I used to have a poor relationship with exercise. Um, don't get me wrong. Physically, I was in fantastic shape, but this is back in uh, probably about 10 years or so ago in my bodybuilding days. I've talked about this before, but I used to train uh, in a way which wasn't, some of it was driven from self-love, to be honest, but most of it was driven from self-hate. I used to hurt, hate certain body parts. I used to think I had to punish myself in the gym to get the results I wanted uh, with my physique and stuff. And long story short, I wasn't aware of this at the time. Uh, I didn't even know what emotional health was back then, to be honest. But looking back, I would go to the gym to um, and I would punish myself to escape the emotions that I was feeling with, you know, overeating and stuff like that. And also I was training in a way which just wasn't serving me. So it was like this ripple effect of um, what I would do is on, I went for a period of time for about 18 months to two years, not necessarily when I was actually leading up to a bodybuilding comp, in, even in between these comps for that period where I would just overeat on weekends. And the reason I was overeating is because I'd just come out of a phase of partying, right? Which I'll kind of just delve a little bit deeper into in a minute where I was like, you know, partying with my friends. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not going to say it's all doom and gloom because I had a fantastic time doing that. Um, but it was obviously coming at a price, right? On my mental and emotional health. And I mentioned this in a post before, but it almost cost me my life before. Um, not going to go into the depths of that, but partying and stuff like that and taking things too far, I actually ended up in hospital. And um, basically that was a wake-up call for me. I think I was about, that would have been in like 20, I think that was in 2013. Um, so I would have been how old then? About 26 or something like that. Um, 25, 26. And uh, that was a wake-up call for me. So 
I would party too hard. And when I came out of that phase then, what I was doing is I wasn't going out on the weekends, but then I was using food as like an escape kind of thing from whether that was boredom or, you know, uh, whatever that was just to kind of replace the feeling of whatever it was, right? Excitement from going out with my mates and stuff like that. And then because I would overeat, then I would go to the gym and I would overtrain um, and use that as a bit of an escape then from the feelings of, uh, guilt or whatever that was from going overboard, right? So that can be used, exercise can be used as an escape and it can become a bit of a disorder, right? If you've got a poor relationship with exercise like I had for that small period of time there, right? So bear that in mind as well. The other thing then is gut health, which I'm not going to go too deep into um, because again, I'm not an expert on this field, in this field, but common sense tells us, right? That, uh, you know, in the gut, like, I think over 20 or 50, maybe even 50. Let's just go with 20. At least 20 different hormones are producing the gut. I think about 80 to 90% of the serotonin receptors. Now, serotonin is the feel-good hormone, right? Which is responsible for, you know, libido, mood, memory, you know, those kind of things. So basically, you know, in the gut, 80 to 90% of those serotonin receptors are located there, right? So, Essentially, if your gut health is not good, you're basically getting inflammation, your stool is not consistent. Ultimately, when you get to that level of awareness, you have to go through a you have to be aware of this first. And going back to that period of time there where I was overeating and kind of binging at times, my gut health took a massive hit. And that's when I started getting more awareness. But now I know if my gut is off. Uh, touch wood, my gut is normally really good now because I've figured out how to keep it healthy. But if my gut is off, mentally I'm more irritable. Uh, my mood is way lower. I feel really low if my gut's off. Uh, my energy levels are lower. My productivity takes a hit. Um, my performance is not as good in the gym. So I'm aware of all those things now. So with your emotional health, you know, the vagus nerve is a direct nerve that connects from the gut to the brain. And if you're not taking care of your gut health, then you will, your emotions are going to be out of whack. Obviously, you know, with your gut producing a lot of hormones, obviously, emotionally, you're going to be, your hormone profile is going to be different and your mental health is going to be affected, right? And your emotional health. So something definitely to be aware of. Sleep. Okay. Now with sleep, I'm not going to go too much uh, into that either, but I talk about this all the time. You know, if you're having poor sleep, there's loads of research on this now as well, right? Especially if you're having six hours or less, Alzheimer's, uh, cognitive decline, mental health disorders, all those kind of things. So if you're not prioritizing sleep, then emotionally, emotional health, in terms of your ability to uh, cope with uh, daily stresses of life and um, all those kind of things are going to basically take a massive hit. So something I want everyone to be aware of, right, is coping mechanisms other than food, right? Now, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. I've mentioned this before, but I had like mental and emotional health issues in my early 20s. So that's a long story short. You know, I've talked about this before, but some of, some of it was related to my upbringing and trauma and stuff like that. A lot of us do deal with different types of trauma. I actually had quite a chaotic upbringing. So I grew up in a, I dealt with a lot of domestic violence when I was growing up. My dad wasn't around. 
Um, and my mum got into an abusive relationship when I was around about five years old. And they basically would fight all the time. And it was, yeah, obviously, you know, as a kid, I just normalized it, right? Um, but looking back, it was horrendous. You know what I mean? And uh, because of that, um, obviously, that had an impact. That's a lot of trauma to deal with, right? And I just normalized it. And then I think that and several other things, uh, decisions I was making in my teenage years in terms of, uh, you know, certain things I was doing, um, I went a bit out of control, to be honest, a little bit um, from the age of, I, I say out of control, I was always training and going to the gym and staying fit, luckily. But I, you know, I was a lad, let's just say that, right? And then when I got to around about um, 20, 22, uh, certain things caught up with me. And cut a long story short, I I was dealing with depression and anxiety there for about, you know, a year, I think it was. And I was actually on the verge of taking antidepressants. And thank God that I didn't. Thank God, even back then, I had the awareness to not do that. And if you're listening to this and you're taking antidepressants or you know someone who is and it's working, then that's great, right? Um, but that wasn't that wouldn't have been the right decision for me. And thankfully, I managed to overcome those issues um because I had uh, good friends around me. And uh, some of those people are still my close friends to this day. Um, I I started to improve my nutrition choices. Um, this just happened organically because I just Basically, the girl I was seeing at the time, she used to eat certain foods, uh, you know, quite healthy foods, whole foods. And I just started doing what she was doing. Um, and I had therapy, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy really helped CBT. That was really, really helpful. Uh, and thankfully, I overcame it. And, you know, I was fine eventually. And those things, I'm glad they happened now because it's made me way more resilient and it's shaped who I am. But um, yeah, coping mechanisms... Uh, a key. So, you know, fast forward to those bodybuilding days when I was overeating and stuff like that. Um, I was using food as a coping mechanism, right? To deal with whatever I was dealing with, like just being bored in the house and not partying or whatever, or, you know, just a pastime sometimes on the weekends or, you know, basically just to make me feel good. I was using, because when we look at food, right? We always look at food and we go, oh, I just love food. Yeah, we do. We love food, right? It's an essential thing. Uh, it's something that is on our mind all the time. We make like hundreds of decisions every day uh, on food. Like I think 150 to 200 decisions a day we make on average with food or something like that. Maybe I've gone overboard with that. Uh, but, you know, it's not food. It's not like the f actual food itself that you love. If you're thinking of some of your favorite foods that you like to eat or you sometimes overeat when you eat certain foods, it's the feeling we're looking for, right? So, you know, it could even be stress management. We try to manage our stress by eating, and then that becomes a, a vicious cycle because it makes us feel worse when we do that, right, at times. And, yeah, we need other coping mechanisms. It's key for your emotional health. So, again, we're looking for a feeling. It could be food. It could be alcohol. We're looking for a feeling. So we've got to have other healthy uh, methods in place that we can use. And I utilize this with clients. When it comes to habit change, I did a training on this for clients actually a while back. And, you know, the most effective way to do this, and this is proven in research as well, is essentially to replace the feeling you're getting, right, with another habit, which is not going to give you negative ramifications. And it's actually going to help you 
cement in a healthy a healthier habit, right? So for example, um, having distraction methods in place. So instead of reaching for food, when you feel bored, when you feel lonely, when you feel, let's say loneliness, right? We use food to escape loneliness. Well, how about if you're fortunate enough to have someone close to you, you can reach out to, reaching out, connecting with them and having a coffee with them instead, right? Um, you know, going for a walk, listening to a podcast uh, when you feel lonely, right? To distract yourself. Um, but the best way of loneliness is really to connect, right? When you're feeling lonely, you need to find a way to connect with like-minded people. And it doesn't always have to be like a friend or a family member. It can just be um, finding communities, that like-minded communities, right? Uh, go into a yoga class or something like that, right? Or, you know, those kind of things. But again, the same goes for um, coping mechanisms for stress, right? If you, you know, you might finish work, and you like to have a glass of wine with food or two glasses of wine or a bottle, right? Um, you know, that becomes a habit. And, you you know, what feeling am I looking to get from this? It helps me relax. It helps me reduce my stress levels after a busy day at work. Right. Now, we've got to find something else that is going to help you do that. Is that a, a hobby? Is it yoga? Is it, you know, meditation? Is it perhaps going to a class straight after work or going to the gym, Right. You know, if you don't train in the mornings, how about you go to the gym instead? Or you even just do a quick 20, 30-minute workout at home? Because I guarantee you, you're going to feel less stressed when you do that. You're going to get the endorphins. You're going to get the dopamine kick, uh, which is likely to replace, it's likely going to be able to replace that feeling you get from alcohol, right? You're not going to be necessarily thinking about having a glass of wine after you've got that release. So essentially, you're looking for a release of chemicals in the brain when you do that. Um, and you've got to learn, find ways to replace that. So it's not always about you know, I'm going to stop drinking. Okay. Like it doesn't always work like that long-term. You have to have healthy coping mechanisms, is coping, coping, sorry, healthy coping mechanisms in place to cope with that. Right. Um, so yeah, you've got to have those things in place when it comes to, you know, emotional, emotional health. So, uh, yeah, just a few more things I wanted to add on here is, uh, my friend, you've got to build resi resilience, right? Um, we live in a snowflake society. Right. Let's be honest. This day and age, people are so sensitive, and everyone's got an opinion, which is great. But it's not great to be honest. It's a pain in the ass. If I if I'm going to be honest with you, like every Tom, Dick, and Harry has got an opinion now online, right? Um, which is actually not good for the most part. Um, it's great that everyone can, I guess, have a voice in some ways, but also it comes at a price, uh, and people are just flaky and just snowflakes essentially, right? Most people nowadays, or a lot of people nowadays, anyway. So we need to build resilience, ladies and gents, right? And the way you do that, first and foremost, when it comes to your emotional health, is doing uncomfortable stuff, right? So for example, with me, people ask me, oh, you know, cold showers, how, uh, you know, how did that benefit you? How did you feel and stuff like that? And I'm like, the main thing for me is just, I don't normally want to have one. I had one this morning, didn't want to have one. And it's peak winter here in Australia, right? Which is not that bad, to be honest. But still, the water's as cold as, cold as it gets now um, in the year. So when that water hits your skin, water, as we say in the UK, when that water hits your skin, you know, it hurts. But because I've done it for like five, six years, after about, you know, five, 10 seconds, I'm fine. It's just like bloody putting a pair of pajamas on, right? Because I've built resilience against that stressor. So whether it's uh, building physical resilience by doing hard stuff physically, lifting heavy weights, having a cold shower, uh, going for a run, 
you know, whatever that looks like to you, you've got to build that physical resilience first and foremost. But by building that and doing the stuff you don't want to do, it could even be like mobility and stretching or yoga. You know, it's the stuff you don't want to do essentially. And I always say to people, you know, do something hard in the morning, right? That builds resilience for the rest of your day. Something uncomfortable. It makes you stronger. It makes your day better. It helps you make better decisions. It helps you deal with stress better. That's a non-negotiable for me, doing something challenging in the morning, right? And that's really going to build that resilience um, emotionally, on an emotional level as well, because physical and emotional health are completely interconnected, right? Um, but another thing relating to that is a mindset thing, a trick that I wanted to, not a trick, but something that has helped me change the way I think. And it's really helped me become stronger on an emotional level. And that is stoicism. Um, you may or may not have heard of Ryan Holiday. I'm a big fan of his work and his books and his books have been a true game changer for me. And also my girlfriend as well. I brought, brought her onto his content and she loves his books. And there's a book called the daily stoic. And, each day, it's like 365 pages, and each day is a different date, um, and there's a different chapter, different types of Stoicism or whatever you want to call it, and he'll use examples of like, you know, the Stoics back in the day. you got Marcus Aurelius. You've got um, all these different Stoics who, you know, developed this concept back in the day, back in the Roman era, and he'll use examples, and he'll basically uh, teach you different ways and methods to... Uh, build better resilience, right? And because stoicism, that's what it's all about. The whole concept of stoicism is to, you know, be stoic and be able to manage your emotions without uh, reacting. And there's all this talk about, you know, masculinity as well, right? Um, and the way I define masculinity is your ability to manage your emotions. I think it's quite simple. That's my personal thing. It's like, you know, uh, a masculine man, for example, generally is a man who can deal with his emotions and process his emotions without and learn from them. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter how quote unquote masculine you are, right? You're going to react and you're going to make poor decisions at times. It doesn't matter who you are. However, uh, learning from those things and uh, generally just being able to respond to uh, things rather than reacting uh, and essentially being weak um is 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 the key right so i would recommend checking out his books the daily stoic um also one of my favorite books is obstacle is the way uh if you're watching the video i've got that in the bookcase behind me uh, obstacle is the way is another fantastic ryan holiday book um so i'd recommend those two um i could keep going down the list of his books but uh there's another one which is um stillness is key as well that's one of his uh I guess, newer ones, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, he's got so many good books. Um, so I'd recommend that to help you build resilience on an uh, emotional level, um, looking into stoicism. Uh, yeah, and then goal setting and celebrating your wins, basically. So setting goals and celebrating those wins when you hit those small milestones. I'm big on this with clients. Uh, we always focus on celebrating wins, big or small, uh, setting goals uh, and smashing through them. And don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean you're going to necessarily hit every single one of your goals. Like um, if I personally, when I set out my annual goals, for example, uh, if I hit, I always look at the 80% rule really in everything. If I hit 80, if I smash through 80% of those goals, then I'm really, really happy with that. Imagine the compound effect of smashing 80% of your goals uh, over the space of 10 years, right? It's the difference between success 
build in a body uh, and essentially not, right? So that's key. Um, and then having meaning and purpose in life. This is a big one when it comes to emotional health. Um, if you're listening back to this now, and uh, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about yourself by saying this, but I'm just helping you trying to be aware. If you're doing a job that you absolutely despise and hate uh, and or you're surrounded by people that you hate being surrounded with in work, for example, and let's be honest, if you're working full-time, that's a lot of hours to be surrounded by assholes, yeah? That's 40 hours a week of being surrounded by dickheads. Uh, you don't need me to tell you that's going to have a negative effect on your emotional health, right? So meaning and purpose in life is absolutely everything. Um, and for me personally, um, obviously I need to eat. I need to earn money, of course, like all of us. I need to pay bills. I need to uh, hit my financial goals and everything else. I'm going to be honest with that. You know, I'm, that, that's, that's important to me. However, for me, the purpose and the impact um, is what keeps me going, is what really um, helps me show up at my best um, and essentially keep me on track, really. Keep me on track on my goals and uh, help me avoid bad behaviors um, because it excites me um, and it's extremely challenging, to be honest. Uh, the mission that I'm on is is obviously very challenging, but you know, um, we need adversity, my friend, right? We need challenge to help us grow and make us better. I remember the simple equation, uh, my good friend, who I'm hoping to get on the podcast again, who I've had on twice, by the way, uh, someone I look at as a mentor, uh, Jay Alderton, he uh, always uses the simple equation, stress plus rest equals growth with your physique, uh, and with your, ment uh, with your mental resilience. Stress plus rest equals growth, right? Um, you've got to have that purpose. Another great small book as well. Um, you probably be sleeping under a rock if you haven't heard about this book. Um, I found out about this book through Tony Robbins, and it is called Man's Search for Meaning. And as I say, it's a small book. It doesn't take long to read it by Viktor Frankl, who actually survived the Holocaust. Um you know, back in the day when the Nazis were taken over during the war, he survived. He's one of the many, uh, one of the few people, sorry, not many, one of the very few people who survived, um, uh, sorry, uh, Auschwitz. He survived the Auschwitz camp. Um, and it, it's just one of those books where, you know, you might be having a bad day and you realize that you're being a little bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it's one of those books. So definitely recommend that when it comes to meaning and purpose, uh, man's search for meaning. Last but not least is knowing when to ask for help, right? Um, on When it comes to your emotional health, mental health, you got to know, like for me, for example, um, I've had therapy. And at the moment, I don't feel the desire to have that because where I'm at in my life now, and the research is interesting, actually. It shows that therapy, men don't tend to respond as well to therapy. Don't get me wrong. They still do. It helped for me. Uh, it was a bit of a game changer for me, actually, through a tough time in my life. Um, but they don't tend to respond as well as females to therapy, right? Uh, men need to be around other men solving problems. And that's been a missing piece in my life at the moment, to be honest. Uh, my good friend Ian and I met up last week. We had a chat, bounced some ideas off. I like to I like to talk business with Ian as well. He's very successful and uh, I'm doing pretty well on my path and we like to bounce ideas off each other. But more importantly, we like to talk about impact. And the piece that we've been missing is being around like-minded men and, and, and essentially brotherhood and actually allocating more time to catch up together and solve problems together. So, um, you know, we realize that's a missing piece for us. 
So, you know, you've got to know what the missing piece is for you. And then you've got to reach out to a friend and you've got to hold yourself accountable and do something about that. Um, but therapy as well, right? You know, having some thought of some form of therapy might be beneficial to you, you know? Um, do you need therapy? Ultimately, it doesn't, you have to have something where I would say most people at some point are going to benefit from therapy simply because it helps you become more aware of, because emotions drive you, my friend, right? If you don't deal with certain emotions, they don't go away. They sit there and they drive your behaviors and actions. Um, so for me, having therapy at a certain point in my time, I knew that I had to, I had to get help. Back in my early 20s, when I was going through that depressive phase, and I was getting the anxiety and stuff, I had to get therapy, right? I had the CBT stuff, which really helped. Um, and I had therapy a few years ago as well, which was really, really helpful because that therapy that I had a few years ago really helped me unpack some of the childhood trauma that I talked about, um, which really helped me become more aware of why I get anxiety. And I've it's been a game changer for me because now I'm aware of it. So just to give you an example on asking for help and why I needed it is because what would happen with me is I still get this at times now, but because I'm aware of it, I can I can change my state and overcome it better, but anxiety. So because I grew up around uh, the domestic violence and what I didn't realize is as a kid, you know, you, you don't know the difference between basically like what I had internalized as a kid is when there was like violence in my house, all I'd internalized is someone's going to die basically. Right. My mum might die. Now I wasn't thinking that on a conscious level, uh, but that's how kids think, right? A child's brain is extremely malleable and all those experiences literally shape their brain for better or for worse. In my case, for better. Um, and I uh, would always expect shit to go down, right? So as a kid, I was waiting for, um, uh, you know, bad stuff to happen essentially, right? And I ended up just normalizing it. However, uh, that didn't serve me for a period of my life because I uh, was searching for problems uh, first and foremost. My girlfriend laughs at me because <laughs> I was... I, I've managed to overcome, like, or, or get better at this now. But like, if there's not a problem, I need to find one, right? And part of that comes down to childhood, and part of it comes down to just being a man as well. We we need to solve problems. Uh, but the other thing was then, if something small might happen, for example, my girlfriend and I might have a disagreement or whatever, um, and there'd be like a little bit of an open loop in terms of like, oh no, we've disagreed on something, and then I would get this just like overwhelming anxiety. Uh, where I would like be waiting for something extremely bad to happen and it would just literally govern me. Um, but thankfully now, because I had that therapy and I became aware of that, now I can go, why am I getting this anxiety for? Oh, okay, that makes sense. It's just a reaction from from childhood. Okay, I can take a few breaths. I can you know have a cold shower, go for a walk or whatever I need to do. Bang, I can change my state straight away and get back to it. So um, the therapy really helped with that awareness. So if you need help, you've got to ask for it. And it doesn't always need to be therapy, um, but speaking to a friend, speaking to someone like-minded, you'd be surprised, my friend, at what a simple conversation, one conversation over a coffee or whatever uh, with someone you trust um, can do. Um, it can literally change the game for you um, or get you out of you know a certain state, okay? So anyway, I'm going to wrap this up now. So just remember, emotional health is more to do with you know how you regulate your emotions, your awareness, self-awareness is huge, right? Huge. 
um, and having coping skills, right? And these strategies can be used, you know, like I said, by people with or without a mental illness, right? You don't have, in fact, forget about mental illness. You need to have these things in place. You need to be aware of these things, right? And I wanted to wrap this up with um, a client example. I'm not going to mention his name, um, just in case, because I'm going to talk about, you know, I, I guess maybe a few things you might potentially not be comfortable with me talking about. Um, but I had a client and basically he was struggling with, uh, he doesn't drink. He he doesn't drink at all because he used to have issues with that back in the day. So he's he cut that out for over a decade, I believe. But his coping mechanisms was food. So what he would do, he's a very successful entrepreneur. Um, he would not eat in the day. And then he would get home and he would be stressed and anxious and he would just like binge eat in front of the TV. And he was also using cannabis, right? Weed. And he was abusing it a bit too much. And that was adding to his anxiety. Um, and because he was overeating, he was gaining fat and lacking confidence. And within 90 days, um, what we'd done is we put some strategies in place, right? So we put some strategic stuff in place with the food. So, okay, we're going to make sure we have lunch and we got to make sure we're having complete meals first and foremost. And we've got to re remove those foods out of the house that will cause you to overeat, right? Place that barrier in the way. Uh, that's strategic stuff, but that doesn't always work for sustainability. Um, personal stuff we put in place then was, uh, right, let's have a look at uh, your environment and your anxiety, right? So what are you doing? to? Because he was really struggling mentally uh, with anxiety, right? This is a, it was, he was in a bad place, right? When we had, I never forget the first call we had. He was in a bad place. Uh, and because of that anxiety and the overeating, he was lashing out at his partner as well. Uh, and they were having massive uh, conflict to the point where it was, you know, it was slowly damaging the relationship. And um, by him, you know, having coping mechanisms in place, right, what do we need to do first and foremost uh, to help you deal with that anxiety? Right, in the morning, we need to go to bed a bit earlier. And we need to get up a little bit earlier so we can get out and do a walk, right, and 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 simply do something for you in the morning, right? So we would do that. Um, and then I would hold him accountable for training because he wasn't training. So I would hold him accountable, making sure he was showing up in the gym, checking in with him, et cetera. Uh, and then he started feeling better, right? Because obviously he was getting his endorphins, his dopamine hit, and he was getting less anxiety. Um, he was still smoking weed and stuff though and doing weed. So the next step then was to, to take that out. So right, what can we do? We need other mechanisms in place uh, to help you uh, down-regulate your stress other than smoking weed, right? Um, or having cannabis. Okay, what do we need to do? We need to be more so we need to we need to allocate time with friends, with close ones on the weekend, socialize, interact, get some of those good feelings, and make an effort to be more social. Because what was happening is he would like just chill on the weekends, have a joint, and then just kick back and then eat and stuff, right? And you know what it's like when people smoke weed, uh, the munchies can kick in, right? So Anyway, so then it was that, and then it was like, right, okay, we need to, and then he started doing more yoga. So we had these coping mechanisms in place so we could not necessarily just stop doing something like that. It was adding in or replacing things to give him, to, to help him manage his anxiety, um, to help him uh, basically, and also when his partner would go away as well, he would, he would get lonely and he would use food as an escape. He would sit in front of the TV and eat. So we would use, you know, as I say, we would then go, right, okay, you're feeling lonely, your partner's away, let's catch up with some friends, let's be more social, go for coffee, have some food with your friends. Uh, and then he would just find that he wouldn't have feel the need to overeat then because he was getting that nourishment from the relationships to manage out his emotions, right? Does that make sense? 
And then because of that, then, you know, he's been super consistent. He's been really putting the work in. So proud of him. Almost mentioned his name then. So proud of him. Um, and he basically, uh, he's insane. He's got like six pack abs. He's looking uh, absolutely tremendous. And yeah, he's absolutely smashing it. Uh, but that's that's the side effect of his relationship with himself, his emotional health, um, his mental health. Because these things have leveled up and he's been showing up in the gym, which funny enough has helped his emotional health. His body is now is in, he's in incredible shape. A literally admirable physique, six-pack abs, insane, right? Um, and that's all because he's dealt with these emotional things, right? So I wanted to just give you a quick example there at the end. And uh, yeah, just wrap this up with, I tried to make this short, this podcast, but it was a deep one. Um, I want to wrap this up with, um, like I said on the last podcast, I haven't actually, I've only announced this on the podcast uh, and I already signed up two people who reached out from the podcast. Uh, but I haven't announced it on my social media yet, but I'm going to be taking on um, three more people this month who want to work closely with me over the next 90 days. And basically, you're going to get into the shape of your life physically and mentally. You're going to achieve drastic strength gains in the gym. You're going to drop basically a significant amount of body fat, likely anywhere between, you know, say eight to 15 pounds of fat, right? That's not necessarily weight on the scales because you're going to be building muscle. Uh, and, and there's a side effect of that. And, you know, you're going to drop a dress size or two, or, you know, even, you know, if you use like bottoms, jeans, for example, as an example, then you're going to lose, you know, a jean size or two. Uh, and also you're really going to kind of boost your energy and transform your relationship with food. Uh, I can't help everyone. So we'd have to have a chat first, but, uh, you know, we'd have to make sure we're a good fit. Um, but you know, I'd love to work with you if you're someone who's willing to commit. And if I can definitely help you, we'd have to have a chat first. So just drop me a, um, just basically fill out the coaching inquiry form in the show notes of this podcast or better still connect with me one-to-one, uh, ideally DM me on Instagram at Martin Silver Fitness with the word info, and we'll talk there first. And then if I can help you, we'll book in a Zoom call. If I can't, then I'm happy to help either way. Uh, or if you prefer, just send me an email admin at optimizeyourbody.com. And uh, we can have a chat and see if this is going to be right for you. All right, ladies and gents. Uh, one more thing I wanted to say as well is uh, please, if, you know, I'm sure you know someone or, you know, someone that needs help and you know, this podcast would be super beneficial to them. But a lot of times we just kind of finish the podcast and then crack on with our day, but we're kind of doing people a disservice if we don't share this with them. So there's any, you know, Number one, please just share it onto your social media story. I'd love you to do that. It'd be a massive help for the podcast. But more importantly, we could help even one person by you sharing that. And also, I'd really, I'm really interested to see where you're at in the world because I can't pinpoint everyone on the stats. I can see where people are at in the world, but I can't pinpoint the person. So I'd love to, I'd love to see you and where you're at. So just tag up at Martin Silver Fitness. Just you know, a screenshot of this episode. Tag me on your story at Martin Silver Fitness and uh, we can get other people involved or simply just share it. Copy this link and just simply send it to someone on WhatsApp or whatever, one of your friends or a couple of your friends or into one of your groups uh, and get people to to digest this and, uh, and, and soak up the awesome information on this uh, content on this podcast. All right. Thanks for listening. Speak soon.